0: 5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94-3 the game is gonna get you home with the P-Man.
1: In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1.
0: Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson show on 94-3 the game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Mm-hmm.
2: Welcome into the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben B. Baby Barm filling in for the P. Man, the Ref, Philip Pilkington. Alongside me is my co-host. How you doing, my friend?
3: Pretty good. I'm excited. Four give, days away. Doing give me a big some, game.
2: Hey, that's my favorite day of the year, Super Bowl Sunday. If I put it over Christmas, it should be a holiday. I love it. I get it so excited. Doesn't matter what the matchup is.
3: Definitely. And this year is an intriguing matchup, but yeah, the day after Super Bowl Sunday should definitely be a holiday. Like, I knew that the Rams-Patriots
2: a couple years ago was not going to be the best Super Bowl, but I was still excited. Still hype over it. Anyways, welcome in. Plenty of news happening today around the world of basketball, sport of basketball, the trade deadline. I believe has officially came and gone, came and went. And uh, let's start off with some news going off our Pirates right now. Kind of puzzling. Not much details on what exactly happened. The ECU head soccer coach, women's soccer coach, Jason Hamilton, has resigned. He has served as ECU's head women's soccer coach for the past four seasons, and he just announced it earlier today. Uh, An official statement by John Gilbert says that Hamilton informed him this morning of the decision, that they appreciate his contributions to the women's soccer program, the positive impact he had on the student-athletes, and that they wish him best in his future endeavors. I'm not quite sure. What are the details of him resigning, or why he chose to resign? They haven't really quite released a statement on his behalf on why he chose to do this, but um, little, little puzzling, little bizarre.
3: Yeah, so that probably lets you know there. There's got to be some external factor, either yeah. you know potentially another job, or just wanting to, whether that be in coaching or somewhere else, or either that, or maybe you know he's got some health issues, or you know obviously we don't speculate, but I, my guess is he didn't just show up and just be like, yeah, I don't feel like doing it anymore. My guess is there's some other kind of thing. Obviously, we hope it's a, it's a positive thing for him and not a negative thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, one of the positives that came under Hamilton's 10 years head women's soccer coach is that they were on track for a possible fourth consecutive honor after turning a 3.52 team grade point average team GPA there during the fall of 2021. His squads have posted a 3.25 mark or higher in all eight semesters of Hamilton's ECU tenure. So, hey, the stuff that matters, the the schooling, the education, at least he had that figured out.
3: He did, and they usually were decently competitive. They would struggle against ranked teams, but they always seemed to get one good at least draw every year against a tough opponent. So they were always a tough out for opposing teams. They weren't bad, and then, like you said, the uh, the off-field stuff seems like it was pretty good as well. Yeah, Uh, Hamilton's
2: teams won 26 games over four seasons, with them at the helm. So, yeah, they, I mean, they were decently competitive. Like you said, whenever they played a ranked opponent, they had a little bit of a tough out. But very competitive program. Wasn't bad. Kind of wouldn't even say middle of the pack. They were just very, very competitive. And uh, kind of, I, w- I don't want to say shocking. It's just a little little bizarre that he chose to resign. And obviously, we don't know what led to his decision. I don't know the whole full detail. So, I'm not going to judge him on his decision or on his behalf. But we wish him the best. Jason Hamilton, whenever he came to the studio, was a nice guy. Very, very nice guy, so I wish him well. Moving on, uh, I mean, I feel like you can't do a sports talk radio show without mentioning the trade deadline, and we had the trade of all trades today. James Harden officially getting shipped to Philadelphia, which I think before he went to the Nets was kind of a rumored spot where they thought he was going to go coming off the Rockets. And um, finally, now it's happened. It seems like the Sixers are where he wanted to be all along. And uh looking at the details of the trade it's a blockbuster one. Uh James Harden and Paul Millsap are getting sent from the Nets in return to Philadelphia in return the Nets get Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond and two first round draft picks. So, I uh, just initial thoughts Philip, who won this trade? I know I have my thoughts. I think it's pretty one sided, but I'm going to let you sound off here.
3: Short term? Yep. Probably Philly won it for this year alone, Yeah, but long-term, I mean, you got to think Brooklyn got the younger players. They got two first-round picks, one of them being this year, and that's not even protected. The one in 2027 is protected. I haven't looked at the exact details of that one, but uh, you get three fairly young players. I mean, Ben Simmons is, what, 26, 27. Seth Curry's probably 30-ish. I guess Drummond's a little older, but um, still, I don't know. I feel like they're getting more pieces, and it with what they already have there, they can really build around – those kind of are the pieces they're going to build around the stars they already have. And, you know, Philadelphia, it's just – these were the guys that were supposed to be part of their process, and now you've kind of shipped them. You've shipped off a draft pick. Millsap's not horrible, but he's not what he used to be, and – He's not, he's not Atlanta Hawks Millsap. No, he's not. That way. And, yeah. I mean, yeah, Harden can kind of help you in the short run, but how long will he be around? Yep. Not with age, but, you know, is he going to jump the opportunity to go join some other star, you know, whenever his contract's up? So, yeah, a little puzzling on the uh, on the Sixers side of things. But also I've questioned a lot of the Sixers moves over the last, you know, dozen years. So, you know what's new, right?
2: Trust the process.
3: No, I mean, I just – Looking at it,
2: uh, when you look at this Nets team, it was clear they didn't need perimeter shooting. I mean, Kevin Durant and uh, Kyrie Irvin are good enough to get you competent when it comes to your perimeter shooting. What they needed is more so physicality inside. I think Ben Simmons is perfect for that. I think this is the most ideal scenario for Ben Simmons in terms of what team he needs to go to. It's because he doesn't have to worry about shooting. He can be he can play to his game. Doesn't have to work on his shooting at all. That's what they need a guy like Ben Simmons and Andre Drummond. Still an all-star caliber center, one of the better fives in the league, and they definitely needed some help inside. They needed a sure-thing five with the Nets to make that title run, and uh, Seth Curry is like the goat of role players right now. I mean, he's one of the better role players, especially down the stretch in the playoffs. So looking at it short term, the Nets, this screams to me, the Nets are ready to win a title, and I think coming out of the East, I think it's hard to argue that they're not the favorites right now after this trade.
3: Yeah, no, I definitely think so. And the East is so tight right now. I mean, I looked at it, it's like the team in ninth is like six games out of first place or something. So it's really tough. So this definitely helps them. And, you know, what you brought up about Seth, Seth reminds me a lot of like an Avery Bradley. You know, he's a really good defender. He can get you a bucket when you need it, especially from downtown. So he's going to be kind of in that rotation of guys that shooting. Like you said about Ben Simmons, I mean, now he can almost, even though he's always been a you know kind of a one guard, he can almost maybe go play more inside. him. He's big enough to play, exactly. you know, at a wing or even a four. And will that is, this allow him to kind of expand his game, make himself more marketable moving forward? And uh, I really love the uh, like you said the big man piece and DeAndre Drummond there. Yeah, and then one thing that I'm surprised you didn't mention when it comes to
2: Seth Curry, obviously the family he's coming from, he's got the shooting ability. So I mean they covered all fronts here in this trade. And you're saying long term, uh, the Sixers did better in this
3: trade or the Nets? No, I'm I, I no definitely the Nets did better. I was oh, saying yeah. short term, yeah. you know, like this year. Because sometimes one star can make that much of a difference, right? You know, right as they come into a new team, the Harden thing I think is going to be that you know that the Sixers invested in is going to help them maybe in the next two to three weeks, maybe even two to three months, a little better. Yeah. Just because one guy can come in and change a locker room so much, but a team built for the long run is definitely the Nets after this trade. I look at it
2: this way: James Harden. I know he's been on a slump, but uh, you got two MVP caliber players there for the Sixers. Joel Embiid, I think, is the front runner right now when it comes to MVP him and John ja Morant, then you add another MVP, MVP, all NBA caliber player in James Harden. And I mean, this is probably going to be one of the better Sixers squads we've seen in a while after so much turnover of all-stars there. So I think this is probably the best team we've seen or the best likely, the best scenario for the Sixers we've seen in the last couple of seasons to make a deep playoff run.
3: Yeah, for sure. So I definitely think, you know, like we said, Brooklyn probably won this trade. Yeah. I think they committed
2: highway robbery still, though. I still still think
3: they do, but also I really see it benefiting both teams. Um, The Sixers, like you said, they're in a good spot, but are they in as good a spot as Brooklyn or some other teams? Probably not. Yeah. However, yeah, it definitely can help them. And I'll be honest with you, you're talking about the whole MVP race. I've watched less NBA basketball yeah. this year than I've probably ever watched in my entire life. Don't know why. It goes against your principles. No, it's not even that. <laughs> yeah, that's probably, yeah, that's got a little bit to do with it. But yeah. I don't know. I'm just watching a lot more hockey and stuff. So, Well, yeah, you, you don't usually watch the NBA toward, till towards the
2: end of the year, the playoffs. And even then, you know, looking at kind of the first-round matchups, who's going to win them.
3: Yeah. yeah. But I don't know. I used to watch it more when I was younger. I would watch a little more of the regular season, but... I don't know. The Celtics really aren't fun to watch and I don't, I don't know. They got your boy, Daniel Tice. I love Daniel. Tice. I'm glad that's another trade that happened this uh, today. What Daniel Tice to Boston yeah. for a uh, Schroeder, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, Schroeder wasn't really working out of Boston no. anyway. So I
3: never liked Schroeder. I didn't like him when he was in Atlanta. Yeah.
2: Uh, he's always been that guy. People argue, Hey, he's a borderline all-star. I never really saw it with Schroeder moving on. Hornets also made a big trade with a, uh, Tarboro native local guy. um, Montrez Harrell. Now, if the Hornets, the Hornets needed a big, uh, he's the guy that more so plays the four, but you can play him at the five. He's six seven, going to be a very small five, but he could still. He's got the grit and the drive at play at that position. I consider that a win for the Hornets, considering they only gave up Vernon Carey, who they didn't play that much anyways. I know he was a stud at Duke, but hasn't really worked out with the Hornets so far. And Ish Smith, who's had a great season coming off the bench, but doesn't. He's only on a one two year deal contract here and. Not a guy you would probably keep anyways. I like this Montrez-Harrell trade. I think it's great for the Hornets, and I think it can help them get out of the six-game slump and make a run to kind of squeak by in the Eastern Conference standings and get into the playoffs.
3: See, I think Montrez-Harrell and Mason Plumley will complement each other very well. Download, you know, like I said Harold's a little undersized, yep. But Plumley's a big body, and Harold plays physically. I, I kind of like those going together at the four and the five. And like I said, I mean Ish was having a solid year, but I mean he's not the backcourt guys you lean on. You know, he's not Terry, he's not Lamelo. So yep, exactly. yeah, I like this for them as well. Yeah, I mean
2: Montrez, like you said, the size. I do not like Mason Plumley. I think he's he's a soft dude, and he's he's goofy in terms of he's just very. Uh, how do you put it? Very uh, clumsy, very clumsy and very soft, and he'll disappear in games where it matters the most. I think
3: Horn- you're getting him confused with Marshall. Marshall's well, they're all all three of them are big, tall, and goofy brothers, but uh, they're kind of like the uh, basketball version of the uh, Goofy Mannings. Trust me, differences I the differences in Mannings are a little better. Yeah, but um, no, I mean no, I, I you and you watch more Hornets than I do, but obviously I've known about Plumley maybe a little longer than he's you been
2: have. a he's been a liability for the Hornets this year. He's not been the answer at the five and. Sign them. Obviously, we weren't. It was going to be a temporary fix. We thought he'd be solid, but he's just been downright not very good this year. So maybe Montres can motivate him a little bit. Maybe there could be a little bit of competition. Or I like the idea of them being paired together if it makes them a little bit better, if it elevates them a little better, if it works for the team. I consider this a winner for the Hornets. I like this trade. I think it will. I really do. But, you know, only time will tell. Only time will tell. And uh, a lot going on here in the NBA. Also, Porzingis has been traded from the Mavericks to whoever. I I think poor Zingas, I, I think the writing was, was on the wall with him with the Mavericks. Uh, Had a lot of injury issues. Him and Luka didn't really click. Uh, they It seems like they barely played together. I thought when they when they thought they got poor Zingas, that was going to be the thing that was going to get them into title contention. It hasn't really worked out that way. So, uh, yeah, poor Zingas leaving the Mavericks. I don't think that's as big of a deal as everyone is making it out to be.
3: I don't know. You know, like you said they didn't get along real well, but you still need a couple stars in this game. And now exactly. it's like after Luka, who's the next guy? And if you want to contend for titles, you know, if you want to get up here and you want to beat Phoenix, you want to beat Golden State, you're going to have to have more than just a, a number 1 guy. Yeah. And we're kind of seeing that problem right now in Denver. I mean, Right now, other than Jokic, nobody's kind of stepped up and been that second guy this year like they had a year ago, and yeah. they're down there in sixth right now, sitting actually below Dallas. So that's my worry. Is now and you know maybe with these two, they weren't going to make a run anyway. So maybe this is a more for the future move. Yeah, but I definitely think this takes me out of any type of type of ty- title contention if there was any to begin with at this point. Yeah,
2: I mean, uh, they I think they traded. Uh, looking at it, the Mavericks are trading Porzingis to the Wizards for. A package center on a uh, Spencer Dinwiddie. I just, I, I thought you maybe could have got a little bit more in return for Porzingis, but nonetheless, I think they were looking to get rid of that cap hit anyways. Get rid of him wasn't really working out. Had some injury issues. I guess it makes sense. I, I think this, like you said though, this is officially takes Mavericks out of making any kind of deep playoff run or any kind of title contention. If there was any kind of conversation in the first place around them when it came to title contention.
3: You bring up the cap thing, so maybe what this is just doing for them is allowing them to pick up someone this off season, yeah, and see if that, you know, kind of can be the fill the void that Porzingis left, and well, really there already kind of was a void there because, like you said, he wasn't playing phenomenally, anyways. But yeah. I still think they had the ability to do some great things if they got hot at the right time. But uh, maybe they can go and land somebody this off season because now, like you said, they have the cap, they definitely have the cap room because obviously this was Dimwitty or whatever. Yep. Um, obviously does not have the cap hit that Kristoff has. Yeah, obviously. And, I mean, Didwitty, he's shown he could be an
2: all-star caliber player, so we'll see how that works out. But it was funny you mentioned the Nuggets earlier when it came to them not making a deep playoff run because nobody's stepping out outside of uh, Jochik. But I'll I'll say this. They do have guys that step up in the playoffs, but in terms of, like, sitting comfortably during the regular season and looking like that dominant presence, guys like Jamal Murray – uh, Aaron Gordon was a big piece they acquired last year. Michael Porter Jr., these guys that are expected to be the next big things here for the Nuggets, they don't show up until the playoffs, and it's been more so Jamal Murray than anybody. And, uh, yeah, I like what you brought up there because that's, that's a great point when it comes to the Nuggets. They need a guy to step up, especially during the regular season, so they can sit a little bit more comfortably in the playoffs in a better seed and face a, a more favorable competition because – Nuggets could easily be title contenders, but it's just in terms of they got to get the seating correct.
3: Yeah, for sure. And you know, it's weird. Last year, those guys finally did step up in the regular season. They were either the one or the two last year. Yep. Obviously, it didn't work out for them, but. Really, Jamal Murray proved what a great playoff player he was two years ago in the bubble. I mean, that was amazing yeah. to see. So obviously, if him and you know, a couple of those other guys you named step up here in this coming up postseason, they still can become title contenders. But it's tough right now. You know, they're sitting at that three seed. So they would go to Memphis as of now. Then if they win that, they're probably going to Golden State. And you don't want to have to win. You don't want to have to steal a game in uh, at Golden State. So that they're a tough little spot. But they're also, what, like two games behind the Mavericks or something right now, so they'll probably move ahead of them with the sledge trade, so yeah, that might it, help them. And kind of wrapping up the news of the day, I
2: saw that in MLB, they're not expected to start spring training on time. Universal DH has been approved. Thoughts on that, Philip? I know you're a big baseball guy.
3: I think it's the right thing. You know, sometimes it's fun to watch a game when a pitcher's got a bat because it puts a little more pressure on the manager, Yep, and that's entertaining, but you just have these guys out there getting hurt nine times out of ten, it's a free – actually worse, 19 times out of 20, it's a free out.
2: Yeah, and yeah, we know that when the pitchers come with a bat, it's a waste
3: of that bat. You Unless can, it's Shohei yeah. or Mad Bomb back in the day when Mad Bomb was out there hitting nukes. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, right now, no, it stinks. The only problem is now you will never again have that Bartoto Cologne moment where he's jogging around the bases and it's like the big 300-pound yeah. pitcher – just went upper deck. We're no longer going to have that, so that part of it stinks. But, really, it's it's what's best for the game, you know, game in and game out. It wasn't really fair to the NL pitchers. You know I mean? Better chance of getting hurt.
2: Me. Never made sense to me. And you said uh, you're not going to see guys like Bartolo Colon up to bat anymore. Well, you're not going to see another guy like Bartolo
3: Colon. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Oh, there's still going to be some big pitchers. I mean, you got to think, not that he was uh, known like, Cologne was for being as, as big of a guy. But still, I mean, you got to think every once in a while, CeCe Sabathian, some guys like that had a chance to bat. It would have been funny if CeCe would have hit a nuke at one time. That would have been cool. All right, that's going to wrap it up for news
2: of the day in our Power Report with Jason Hamilton choosing to resign from the EC women's soccer team. On the other side of this quick timeout, IBX Media alum and 94.3 The Game alum, John Jansen from Fox Sports, Philly the Gambler, going to talk about all the Super Bowl prop bets. And much more here on the other side of this quick timeout.
0: The Patrick Johnson Show is coming up on your flagship home of Pirate Basketball, 94.3 The Game.
4: Are you ready for a new career? An amazing company chose Greenville to be the home of their nationwide contact center. Victra is the largest independent retailer for one of the nation's largest cellular providers, and Victra's Greenville contact center is growing rapidly. Victra is now hiring multiple positions for consumer sales, business-to-business sales, retail store support, customer care, and operations support. Benefits include incredible commission potential, paid face-to-face training, medical, dental, vision, paid time off, a discount on your wireless bill access to wages prior to payday and 401k matching Victor is now hiring both full and part-time positions and top performers earn $25 to $28 an hour all of their sales and service opportunities are inbound only no outbound cold calls, no telemarketing you will earn top dollar for every sale you make while working in a fun environment with a team of motivated professionals visit pit-jobs.com to apply now at the Vidant Wellness Center's, happy starts with healthy. And we all need a little happy and a lot of healthy. That's why we offer exercise equipment and classes. I know. They're indoor pools and personal training, too. And more wellness services. Like nutrition and yoga. With no annual commitments or hidden fees. Zip, zilch, nada. Because here, it's more than a gym membership. It's a happy, healthy relationship. Sign up today at VidantWellnessCenter.com and... Don't forget to bring a friend. <laughs>
1: Hey guys, there are some important news that all men should take very seriously. Your prostate health. Are you urinating more frequently? Are you waking up at night to urinate? Are you sick and tired of prostate pills that just don't work? Sound familiar? If you are one of the millions of men with prostate problems that are driving you nuts, there is some great news prostagenex is the all-natural product that beat over 157 other prostate supplements in lab tests and was rated the number one most powerful prostate supplement in the world number one because it works so why not try some prostagenex and your prostate troubles will be a thing of the past you'll get a great night's sleep and stop waking up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom To get your free bottle of Prostagenix, call now, 800-600-2020. That's 1-800-600-2020. Take advantage of our 90-day money-back guarantee. Call 800-600-2020. Do it now.
0: Getting the Pirate Nation home, it's the Patrick Johnson Show. The well, drive home should be a delight. Here on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates and Eastern North Carolina's home for sports.
2: Welcome back to the Patrick Johnson Show. Ben Byram, the ref, Phillip Pilkington, filling in for the P-Man. And I'm now joined by IBX Media Alum, 943 the game alum, now out there working for Fox Sports Philly the Gambler. John Jansen, how you doing, my friend? How are things out there in Philly? Oh, doing great. And I hear a little.
5: Is that Slash Anastasia coming in? It's like you guys know I, did me so well already, right? I did my homework already.
2: I did my homework.
5: Absolutely did. uh a a great song to bring me in and get me excited for uh, talking Super Bowl of Love, the, love
2: so, that song. Really of that song
5: bit of Big game this
2: weekend. All right, well, since you're out there in Philly and you're kind of out there in the sports media, the sports world, we got to get your initial thoughts on the James Harden trade. I personally thought the Brooklyn Nets committed highway robbery, but let's say you.
5: Well, to a certain extent, yes. They they have a lot of pieces now that they didn't have with Harden, You know, they have another center, like Andre Drummond, because Nick Claxton wasn't going to, you know, be down low and yeah. and work in the post. So Andre Drummond becomes that. Seth Curry's a great shooter that they can have. But the the thing is, when you get James Harden, like the Sixers really needed, you don't need a Seth Curry. You don't need an Andre Drummond. Yep. You know, that's the reason why the Nets brought in those guys, because the Sixers, really didn't have a use for him because Curry is not going to take shots away from James Harden. And with Andre Drummond, he probably wasn't going to see the floor and have a lot of DNPs because you don't need a backup center when you have James Harden. So I think for the most part, I think it worked for the Sixers really well because they needed a point guard, a true one. And Harden is one of the best. He has a second assists per game with 10.2 assists per game this season. So he's very good. But yeah, on the surface it does look like the Nets got a lot, but the thing is, It all has to go down to basically does Ben Simmons actually end up you know improving, getting a shot, and if that happens, then yeah, they got the the winning side of the trade. But as of right now, I think Harden in the in the moment is a big move for the Sixers and an NBA Finals contending move.
2: Do you feel like this gives the Sixers the best chance to win a title in recent memory?
5: Yes, I even think more so than I agree. the Sixers team a couple of years ago with JJ Redick and Jimmy Butler and Harris. Like that was that was a super team. That was trying to go for it. None of those guys really meshed well. Like Jimmy Butler, they needed a, a a true point guard because they thought Ben was, but Ben wasn't shooting, Ben's offensive game wasn't as advanced, so he wasn't really the point guard that they needed. And Jimmy Butler kind of assumed that role, but he's not really a point guard either. So it, it works out. We've been trying to say for years that Joel Embiid needed a true ball handler, a point guard like James Harden, and they finally get it. So I, I think this is the best shot, especially with James Harden, uh, with Joel Embiid, excuse me, the best shot that they've had to get an NBA Finals uh, mm-hmm. and get two one and actually end up beating teams like the Bucks and even still the Nets.
2: I completely agree. Let's get into the Super Bowl and one of my favorite things leading up to the Super Bowl is looking at the bizarre kind of prop bets, and let's just get right into it. One that's dominating the internet right now. I've seen people legit getting heated, they get into heated arguments on the internet on the what's going to happen when it comes to this kind of uh, this deal right now. And it's the halftime show. The big question is, and the big prop bet: Will Snoop Dogg smoke some vitamins during his halftime performance? By the <laughs> way, this is for entertainment purposes only. Let's say you. What's the odds for that one, and uh, what are you favoring that in the kind of prop bet there?
5: Hey, they they are out in L.A., but I uh, I don't think the NFL is going to allow that. I'm not sure. I know Jay Z is the one kind of running the show a little bit when yeah. it comes to this kind of halftime entertainment stuff. But I don't think the NFL uh, the NFL is going to allow that. So I'm going to say no to that one. And a lot of the halftime props are interesting even outside of that one because there's like four or five performers. So. Uh, there's a whole thing of all right, who gets the first song? Well, a lot of them yeah. are on the same songs, and you know, Snoop Dogg sometimes has the first line of a Dr. Dre song. So, like, that, that's going to be really interesting how they end up playing the props because it gets very convoluted with uh, how many performers that they have.
2: Well, yeah, it's funny you brought that up because I'm looking at one now that says, "Will all five artists collaborate collaborate together for one song?" I don't see how that's possible. How can you wait work in Mary J. Blige with Kendrick Lamar and Eminem and and dre and, and snoop Dogg. i don't see how you could pull that off i'm gonna go no there I, say I you. Think,
5: but you. but you know what there is this, There's an outside chance that they do kind of pull off something like kind of some medley right at the end and they're all on stage i, I don't know who who would have the anthem maybe it's lose yourself at the end yeah and all of them are out there you know like waving around and getting hyped up and trying to you know pump the crowd up i could see something like that but it's going to be really hard but i think there is kind of some moment at the end where all of them are on stage together and uh, getting the crowd hyped
2: up. All right, this is going to be my last one when it comes to bizarre prop bets. The Gatorade shower <laughs> has also been one that's kind of uh,
5: this, I knew this was coming. dominated
2: the conversation here. I'm leaning more towards blue. I think you can't go wrong with blue Gatorade. My guy, Phillip, is saying yellow. I think I agree with him. You can't go wrong with yellow Gatorade. Let's say you. I've even seen purple. When has there ever been purple Gatorade bath showers here? Right, well, what, what do you got here? What are the odds looking like? What do you favor?
5: The, the easy one is yellow, and I think that's about plus five hundred. Yeah, uh, I know a lot of a lot of love for also the red Gatorade, which is eight to one plus eight hundred. Uh, but I, I'm not sure what the odds are on orange because I think it's the favorite, so I don't think a lot of people are taking it. But Joe Burrow has come out before and stated plainly that orange is his favorite Gatorade color. And if the quarterback of your team loves orange Gatorade, guess what? You're going to have orange Gatorade. So I I would say orange, but the thing is. I don't know if you're getting actually like a good price on that. None of these are great prices, but uh, I don't I don't think uh, anybody wants to take the favor. They want to get a long shot of the Gatorade color. So look, if I were to pick anyone, I'd probably take red. I think this this is the year we get red at eight to one.
2: Hey, all I'm saying is the color of the liquid pour on last year's winning coach was blue. So I am I'm, I'm leaning more towards <laughs> blue. It's kind of lower there on the uh, on the uh, in the odds. I I just favor blue yeah, can win a little money blue? there.
5: I don't know, man. You know, it, it's tough to go back to back.
2: Huh. Yeah, I, that, that that fair enough. I, and if the Bengals are winning, I, I I could definitely see orange. But the Rams, I mean, they got blue colors, and the Rams are kind of the favorites here. I, I I'm really thinking it's going to be blue.
5: That's the one I think. I, I think the Rams are the red Gatorade. I don't know why. I, I think Matthew <laughs> Stafford's a, a red fruit punch kind of guy. Uh, right? he uh, kind of so comes off as I'm a red guy. I think I red. You know, I, I think the Rams. Rams win this one, we get red Gatorade.
2: All right, let's get serious here. Now you said Joe Burrow favors orange if the Bengals win. Now, I've done my research, and I've seen out there in Philly, you've been talking, you're not too high on this Bengals offense. How come? They've played some really good front sevens here in the playoffs. Obviously, they haven't had the best scoring when it comes to the playoffs so far, but you've even gone as far as to say they've been downright bad on offense in the playoffs. Please explain yourself, sir.
5: Yeah, at times they have. And look, the the first half, even the second half of that Kansas City game where they came back, they didn't play well. Joe Burrow through his interception in the second half you know it was a lot of Kansas City kind of imploding on themselves that ended up winning the game for Cincinnati same thing with Tennessee it was a lot of turnovers that ended up getting Cincinnati to win three interceptions I think from Ryan Tannehill. all three of them just horrid by the way because Ryan is not a great quarterback but the stats are down like it's not it's not significant regression from uh, the regular season into the postseason. But they are down. They are down in passing yards per game. They're down in QB rating. They're down in rushing, which already wasn't really that good. They were only averaging about 4.1, 4.2 yards per carry. They're all the way down to, I think, 3.7, 3.8 now. So it's just it's just going down across the board enough that I don't think this offense has been particularly sharp. And at times, again, like that first half against Kansas City, they've been downright bad. So. I don't think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I don't think Cincinnati is going to just come in here and Joe Burrow is going to be the cool cat and throwing around touchdowns and swinging around 400 yards. I just I don't see that because there are significant flaws within this Cincinnati Bengals offense that is going to be tough. I know they have some advantages. Like, nobody can cover T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd if Jalen Ramsey's on Jamar Chase all day. They don't have a good cornerback outside of Jalen Ramsey. Yep. But... There still is a lot there for where I think the Rams to take advantage of it. of an offense, that again, I think has been struggling a bit.
3: So it's interesting you bring up the fact that, you know, the Rams don't really have anybody to guard all this wide receiver talent. Well, obviously we know the Rams can put up points. Matthew Stafford's put up points his whole career. That over-under being at 48 to me seems like it could be a hair low. I can see both teams up at the 28 to 30-point range. Am I crazy to think that? No, you're not crazy, because obviously the potential is there. Both teams
5: are tops when it comes to explosive plays, especially in the passing game. The one thing that I'm concerned about, and I actually am pretty confident on the under, it's because both of these coaches are really conservative. And this is the biggest game of the year, so I imagine that's not going to change. And both teams are going to come out pretty tight. Matthew Stafford's in his first Super Bowl. Joe Burrow's in his first Super Bowl. I know he's been on a big stage. He's won a national championship a few years ago. I get it. This is the Super Bowl. It's a little bit different. So I think both teams come out a little bit tight. But when it comes to fourth down attempts in the regular season, the Rams are 28th, the Bengals 25th, meaning these teams love to settle for field goals. And when you look back at all the postseason games that they've had, Rams have settled for a lot of field goals. Evan McPherson, we all know, has 12 field goals and made all 12 four field goals per game. I mean, these coaches are extremely, extremely conservative. So I would be worried that the pace of play is actually going to slow down a little bit And these teams are going to be a little bit conservative in their play calling, not going forward a lot on fourth down. So I'm thinking we get more punts than we would expect in a game like this. And also, I think, settle for a lot more field goals as well.
3: So it's interesting you bring up the conservativeness of it because the next question I have was going to be about sacks. And maybe the players going, or the coaches going a little more conservative would limit the number of sacks. But I'm seeing the over-under for total sacks at this at four and a half. Well, the Bengals let up three sacks a game in the regular season. And now they're playing Von Miller and Aaron Donald. And Ben and I, we're Panther fans. We've learned too hard about what Von Miller can do in a Super Bowl when it comes to sacks. And on the other side, I mean, I would think Stafford at least gets sacked once or twice between Trey Hendrickson and a couple of those other guys. And like I said, I would see Cincinnati probably letting up three or four. I mean, heck, they let up nine to the Titans the other day. I almost feel like this four and a half is like hammer the over in a way. Yeah, the only thing you'd be concerned
5: about is the fact that Cincinnati kind of knows that, hey, our offensive line is getting beat up a little bit. We're going up against Aaron Donald and Von Miller. We have the advantage on the outside, so let's just win one on one quick passes. So that could deter me away from this bet, but it really isn't because I'm going to go with this too. Cincinnati's defensive line. I think you just mentioned with Hendrickson has been extremely good at sacking the quarterback uh, during the playoffs. So it's a combination of both. It's a combination of the Rams, obviously having a huge advantage against the uh, offensive line of Cincinnati, but it's that Cincinnati has eight sacks in the playoffs. That's even more than the Los Angeles Rams. You only have five. So, I actually think with the combination of these two defenses doing really well up front, I do think we're going to see a sack from Matthew Stafford. I do think Joe Burrow is going to be running for his life from Donald and Von Miller. So I I agree with you. I like that bet. And it's not just the Rams side. I know everybody wants to point to that. But I actually think Cincinnati's defense has been playing well, and the defensive line is a big part of that.
3: You know, it's interesting. You were talking about Cincinnati You know, just kind of running some – quick hitters because of that. I wonder, do you think that Sean McVay or really, I guess, more the Rams' defensive coordinator would kind of go more to a zone there if they see that, you know, Cincinnati realizes that we have the battle in the trenches, especially when it comes to the passing side, and we're trying to run some slants, some quick hitters, some pick plays. Uh, do you think the Rams would strict go more strictly to a zone so that they could have more sacks, or at least just more pressure on Joe Burrow. This is more getting away from the prop bet, just casual conversation about strategy. Yeah,
5: just casual action, Yeah, but it, that's that's the interesting question. You know, that's it's it's really going to be interesting to see how the Rams come out and play this game. Uh, the Rams defense has been good all year. They've actually been good in the secondary, but it's still well known that outside of Jalen Ramsey, they are very thin, and you can get beat there, and especially here in the middle of the yep. field. Under I mean, kind as of, the ESPN pointed this out as well. The middle of the field, uh, the the Los Angeles Rams don't really guard that part of the area very well. And I imagine they're going to take advantage of that with T Higgins, who's a huge body. He can slant route all day long. Tyler Boyd's one of the best slot receivers in the league. So I I do think that they're going to have some success and be able to, to rack up some yards and get down the field. It's just that when they do that, because what they're doing though, is extending drives. Like these are going to be, I imagine if they try and do things that way, 13, 14 play drives, the thing is that that's not the way they won a lot of games this regular season. They've been doing it off of explosive plays. Jamar Chase getting down the field, T. Higgins getting down the field. You know, explosive plays is what this Cincinnati offense is built on. So can they all of a sudden just adjust, be a 13, 14 play of drive and score touchdowns that way? That's where I get concerned that they won't be able to finish drives so the way that they were in the regular season because the way they were finishing drives were with big touchdowns.
3: And speaking of that Rams secondary, uh, there's a guy that's kind of new to this Rams secondary. He claims he's Eric Weddle, but he's wearing gloves, so I I don't firmly (laughs) believe it's Eric Weddle. Eric Weddle never wears gloves. But uh, how much do you think his veteran leadership and knowledge of the game has helped the Rams in this playoff run and could help them on Sunday against this uh, really speedy wide-receiving core?
5: Yeah, I mean, even if he's lost his step, and he has to have. Like, he hasn't played in a couple of years. It, it is big to have somebody that's a veteran because it's one thing, you know, if a guy has some type of athleticism but have no idea where he's at. And that's kind of what the problem that the Rams are, were running into and kind of why they needed Eric Weddle. They needed just somebody who could at least be in the right spots enough that Aaron Donald, Von Miller, Leonard Floyd, even I haven't even mentioned Floyd at all. He's a great defensive lineman. Uh, I, I, I think it does help a lot to have that kind of veteran leadership, that poised guy who's played in the Super Bowl. If I remember correctly, he was still with the, uh, the Rams. Uh, if, if I remember, I can't remember, in that Super Bowl a few years ago against the Patriots. I believe he was. But, I know he
3: played last in 2018. I can't remember if he was with the Rams, though. I'm going to look it up. I am curious yeah, now. You bring it up.
5: I, I do know that there, there, he is a veteran guy. He's been around the game for a long time. And, heck, the Rams have been in the Super Bowl a few years ago. I know Jared Goff is there. And there are some moving pieces and different pieces to this team because, like, C.J. Anderson was the guy that was a running back for the Rams at the time. But there still are some guys that have been in the Super Bowl that know what it takes to win this game, that obviously have that experience of what the couple of weeks are like. So I, I think the veteran leadership is going to help out with the Rams.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. And uh, just to confirm, actually, surprisingly, Eric Weddle was not on that team. He the only year he was on yeah. the Rams was 2019. And if yeah, I remember I thought, correctly, they okay. played in the Super I knew, Bowl I knew in 2018. It was
5: very late in his career, he won with the Rams.
3: Yeah, I remember going there too. I just couldn't remember if it was it was that Super Bowl season or not. But no, it was the year after. Anyways, I'll toss it back to Ben, see if Ben's got anything left.
2: All right, John, looking at the MVP odds right now, Matthew Stafford seems to be favored as a plus 140 betting favorite. And you got Joe Burrow at plus 130. Kind of the expert pick right now. All the betting experts are picking T. Higgins because he's up there at plus 6,000. That seems somewhat possible. Uh, Who's your expert kind of sleeper pick when it comes to the MVP odds? And who do you think is most likely to get the Super Bowl MVP?
5: With the Rams, there's no way you can bet Matthew Stafford at that price because while he is good and a great story, he's not even the MVP of his own team throughout the regular season. It's Cooper Cup that is an MVP consideration. I would say a top three MVP candidate this season. So I I would say Cooper Cup has a little bit more value. But even past that, you can go to the defensive lineman. You can go to Odell Beckham Jr. who's had huge games in the playoffs. So with the Rams, it's really tough. With Cincinnati, if you are thinking Cincinnati is going to win and you're not even going and getting the four or four-and-a-half, whatever book you're looking at, yeah. or maybe you're sprinkling on the money line at plus 160, I would rather just take Joe Burrow, who I've actually seen go, go up at a couple of sports books. He was at plus 225 for most of the couple of weeks. Now he's up to plus 230, so it's a slight bump up. He is absolutely 100% winning the MVP if they win that game. So if you're betting the money line, just go right on ahead, sprinkle a little bit more of those units on uh, on also the uh, Joe Burrow MVP props, and likely the chances are if Cincinnati wins, you're getting both of those. I just don't see any way Jamar Chase, and there's no big name on the defensive end if they were to play well. It would all be Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is the guy in Cincinnati. He's the only one we're talking about. So I would say if you think Cincinnati wins, Joe Burrow is probably the best player.
2: Come on, Jansen. You don't see Eli Apple winning it? No, I kid, I kid. Anyway,
5: Eli Apple's not going to (laughs) win.
3: No. Ben, Eli Apple is not Jake Scott, who was one of the best DBs to ever win the MVP back in Super Bowl Seven. Come on, Ben.
5: I'll say this. Eli Apple will be the reason why somebody on the Rams wins an MVP, but definitely not him winning an
2: MVP. All right, looking at the spread here, it seems to kind of sit around uh, the Rams being the four-point favorites right now. Do you see the Bengals covering that spread? No, I I honestly don't. Uh, I
5: think the Rams are going to control this game, and really, Cincinnati has been off to slow starts. They were off to a slow start against Tennessee. If it wasn't for Tennessee again, just completely imploding on themselves, and Kansas City doing the same thing, like they would have lost those games. Yep. So I just don't know if Cincinnati starts off slow again if they're going to be able to do it all over again the way that they did. I mean, we've been talking about this all season long. Like, we were asking ourselves, yep. who was the most complete team? We had those conversations through the middle of the year when I think the Rams made all those trades and everything. And it was consensus to a point of, well, it's the Rams. The Rams are the most complete team of football. I don't think now, as we're getting ready for the Super Bowl, I, I'm going to change my mind on that. Like, I, there's no way I could do that because they've proven it. They, are there flaws? Yes. But they're minor compared to all of the major flaws that Cincinnati has. So I think the Rams are the team, and I'm actually willing to lay the four points
2: on Jansen, I got a fun little question here to kind of end our interview here. We're going to do the snack down draft tomorrow to kind of explain it to you. Me, Philip, and uh, a special guest are going to be uh, kind of drafting uh, Super Bowl foods. What are the best Super Bowl foods? And then the P-Man is going to kind of judge our choices there. If you had the, the number one overall pick in the snack down draft when it comes to the goat Super Bowl food. What are you picking?
5: Super Bowl food. Okay, so snack. I guess you can count this as an entree, but it is a snack during Super Bowl. Okay, that's it's like, fair. It's a hoagie tray. You know, it's it's a hoagie oh, tray okay. with like little uh. sandwiches. You know, you get you get the big, obviously hoagies, but during the Super Bowl, they cut them up even smaller, and you get like a two or three inches of a hoagie. So I would say a hoagie tray or a sandwich tray. You can put it on. I think that is the best Super Bowl snack. So great, just pick up a sandwich at any time. Uh, so that that would be mine, or a Philly soft pretzel too. I got to go to Philly. Ah, uh, you got to throw
3: the Philly uh, flavor pretzel. in there. Oh yeah. Well, John, I mean, you <laughs> uh, got to hope my mom is listening because that the hoagie tray is like her go-to. Anytime we go to a Super Bowl party when I was growing up, she's like, "Oh, I'll just go to you know like Jersey Mike's and get the whole like sub tray where they got all the different ones." So exactly. I think she definitely agrees okay. with you on that.
2: I'll let you have that pick. Like in terms of like the best Super Bowl food, I don't think I could pick that one at number one overall, and uh, I'm sitting with the number one
3: overall pick. And I can assure you, Philip, I'm not picking that one. I'm not saying that it's number one. I'm just saying that it's it's, a, it's definitely a quality option, and you got multiple options with it. It's almost just like wings. You got different flavors. You got different hoagies in the hoagie tray. Well, Jansen, we appreciate your time,
2: John Jansen, IBX Media alum, 94.3 the game, Fox Sports Philly, the gambler. Appreciate it a lot, my friend.
5: Appreciate it, you guys, for having me on, and good luck with all of your Super Bowl
2: snacking. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. Coming up. Some, uh, some, some news that are dominating the headlines right now, dominating Twitter. Could a big star, a former Super Bowl winner, be coming to the Washington Commanders? We'll talk a little bit of that, deep dive into that, a whole lot of that, and much more on the other side of this quick timeout here on The Patrick Johnson Show.
3: The pitch.
0: More of The Patrick Johnson Show is coming up. That ball is gone. On your flagship home of Pirate Baseball. ninety-four-three. The Game. Pirate fans, the 2022 football season is going to be one for the record books. East Carolina is coming off a seven-win bowl season, and 2022 is shaping up to be even better. The Pirates need you to pack down at Ficklin Stadium this fall with a great home slate that includes in-state rival North Carolina State. The American Conference schedule features home games against UCF, Memphis, Houston, and Navy. Season tickets are on sale for as low as $125. Get your tickets today by visiting ecupirates.com. I'm on site at the Gavigan Agency with commercial insurance specialist Nathan Brannon. Nathan, tell me a little bit about yourself and what you do at the Gavigan Agency.
2: Great to talk with you, Hank. As you mentioned, I'm a commercial insurance agent for the Gavigan Agency and specialize in offering general liability, commercial property, business auto, and workers' compensation insurance to independent contractors, small business owners, and larger commercial customers throughout Eastern North Carolina. Nathan,
0: it sounds like the Gavigan Agency can provide just about any coverage a business owner may need.
5: That's right,
2: Hank. The Gavigan Agency is a fully independent insurance agency with access to some of the top insurance carriers in the region, and we offer a full host of insurance products to help protect our customers' personal and business insurance needs. As a graduate of East Carolina University, I am passionate about taking care of my fellow pirates. So
0: give the Gavgan agency a call today at 252-756-1400 and let them show you the benefits of doing business with someone who cares. Attention business owners and management, Roebuck Staffing of Greenville & Newbern is here for you. Will Roebuck and his staff are committed to fulfilling your staffing needs, whether you're a contractor, a manufacturing company, or if you just need janitorial or clerical work for your business. Roebuck Staffing also does temporary to permanent and direct hiring. Roebuck Staffing is your trusted partner for all of your staffing needs and employment opportunities. Call Roebuck Staffing at 252-364-8700 or find them online at robuckstaffing.com.
6: Don't throw away your money on maintenance fees. Use it for things you really want. We can help you end your timeshare contract and stop the money drain immediately. If you are ready to move on with your timeshare, call our team right now.
2: Cancel your timeshare now with a free call. 800 289 0413. 800 289 0413. 800 289 0413. That's 800-289-0413. What's happening?
0: I'll tell you what's happening. Log on to our new website, 94.3thegame.com for PJ shot podcasts and the latest news on the Pirates. This is happening. Now, back to Patrick Johnson on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game.
3: Welcome back into the Patrick Johnson Show. Philip Pilkington and B-Baby Ben Byram in here filling in for the P-Man as the P-Man's going to be on TV tonight calling some basketball. So we're filling in. But before we get back to the show, we would like to tell you about this job opportunity right here in Greenville. Are you ready for a new career? An amazing company chose Greenville to be the home of their nationwide contact center. Victra is the largest independent retailer for one of the nation's largest cellular providers and Victra's Greenville Contact Center is growing rapidly. Victra is now hiring multiple positions for consumer sales, business to business sales, retail store support, customer care and operations support. Benefits include medical, dental, vision, paid time off, a 50% discount on your wireless bill, Access to wages prior to payday and 401k matching, Victra is now hiring both full and part-time positions, and top performers earn $25 to $28 an hour. All of their sales and service opportunities are inbound only. No outbound cold calls, no telemarketing. You will earn top dollar for every sale. You make working in a fun environment with a team of motivated professionals. Visit pit-jobs.com to apply now. Welcome back to the Patrick Johnson
2: Show. And a major player, major star, rumored to possibly be going to the Washington Commanders, uh, Russell Wilson. This all started at the Pro Bowl where he took a picture with Jonathan Allen, current Commander's defensive tackle. And uh, when asked whether he would like to go to Washington, Russell Wilson said he's not against it. And Jonathan Allen is on board with it. Initial thoughts,
3: a Russell Wilson team or Russell Wilson with the Commanders right now? What is their ceiling? Well, first off, I would like to see Wilson and Pete Carroll split up. I think that that is an yeah. an old thing that needs to that needs to call it quits. Um, I think the ceiling would be high. They got Logan Thomas. They got Scary Terry. I think Wilson will be back. I don't Curtis know if he'll Samuel. be back to what he was. Curtis Samuel. Yeah. I don't know if he'll be back to what he was, but I think he will be definitely more of a contender if he gets you know a change of scenery. I would like to see Russell Wilson on Riverboat Ron. I think that could be a uh, quite the little tandem there. That you know, that's one thing Ron hasn't had in his career is a good quarterback that is also very selfless. Yeah. And you know, he's had that lately in Taylor Heineke, the selflessness and the just willing but to win. But the talent's not there. But the talent's not there. And he had the talent with Cam, but Cam was obviously all about me, me, me. And Ron <laughs> is a very Ron is a very intelligent mind that is very much about the team, and I think those two would vibe really well together. I see their ceiling as a wild-card team, and I think this makes a
2: lot of sense for Russell Wilson. You look at the teams that need quarterbacks right now or they're rumored to be shopping around quarterbacks or looking at quarterbacks in free agency in the draft or through trades. Look at the Giants, not a good offensive line. You look at the Panthers. We know how bad their offensive line is. According to Pro Football Focus, they have the second-worst offensive line in the league. Look at the Seahawks currently. That's been the big knock when it comes to the Seahawks and Russell Wilson. They can't get him protection. Even after that Super Bowl run, they still couldn't seem to figure it out. One of their big gets was Dwayne Brown. I mean, Dwayne Brown should not be a big get for anybody or big move for anybody. According to Pro Football Focus, the Seahawks are ranked 23rd. When you look at this Washington Commanders team, the one thing they've had figured out, and this is why it puzzles me, that they can't get in or sneak their way into a wild-card spot or be a staple in the playoffs is the fact their offensive line is figured out. And they have a competent enough defense. According to pro football focus, the commanders are ranked sixth off- when it comes to their offensive line. So I think that is a likely ideal scenario for Russell Wilson. I think your, a lot of your mistakes you see from Russell Wilson recently, people are saying he's falling off a cliff. He's clearly regre- regressing, and I would agree the age is catching up to him. Maybe the injuries are catching up to him. But, um, I mean, it seems like he's kind of got the uh, Patrick Mahomes syndrome going on right now where he seems to be – he tries to do too much to make a play, and that kind of what leads to a lot of mistakes when it comes to Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, a guy that early on the season is in the MVP conversation and fizzles out maybe because his offensive line isn't competent in there. And you mentioned he's going to have weapons with the commanders. He's going to have the offensive line – I like that move, and I like the fact that I think him and Ron will pair very well together. They're very humble. They're very hardworking. They they admire grit. They admire just hard work. I think that would be a great pairing.
3: Yeah, no, I definitely agree with the pairing. The one thing I will say is I don't know if wild card is the ceiling and because the okay. NFC East – has not shown any consistency really since the Eagles of the early 2000s. Yeah. I mean, yes, Dallas is going to be solid every year, but you never know when they're going to take a step back. Yeah, And just looking at their schedule for next year, if he does come this offseason, they have the NFC North, which the two teams they play on the road out of that are the Bears and the Lions. I think those are both winnable games. I mean, they have the Vikings and Green Bay at home. Then they have the AFC South, which outside of – you know, obviously Tennessee—it's not very good. I mean, you never know with Indianapolis, but then also they've got to play Atlanta, uh-huh. and I guess out San Francisco is kind of tough. But I don't know—it just doesn't seem like an extremely tough schedule for them. They also have Cleveland at home—that's that seventeenth game. But I mean, with Russell Wilson and everything they've got put together, that could be like a eleven or twelve win team there, and. That could win the division. I mean, do I think they're going to be like Super Bowl contenders every year? No. But, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a team that can definitely pull off an upset here or there. They had a quarterback that knows how to win a Super Bowl, a coach that knows how to get to one, a lot of talent on the defense. I, I think the ceiling could be decently high for them. The only problem is it seems like as long as Dan Snyder's at the helm, it's just kind of been a, you know, kind of a crapshoot there in Washington, really, for the better half of, well, since they last won the Super Bowl in 91. They can't even get the name right. Should have been the Red Hawk. Should have been the Slaughterhouse. We've talked about this. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what the heck a commander. Like, what is our mascot? Going to be a guy with a a giant C or something?
2: I I don't know. I mean, is it going to be like an old-school, revolutionary war-type-looking, Minutemen-looking guy, soldier-type deal? Or what is it going to be?
3: I mean, I guess the mascot could just be the commander in chief always. So like right now it's Biden and then it's whoever gets elected next and they can just be required to show up to every home game. I mean he's already kind of a puppet for the Democratic Party. Why not just make him a puppet for the team? Maybe Joe Biden. It
2: could, maybe it could be a mean looking like Mike Houston looking guy who just points at people and commands them to do things. Like when a team scores on the Washington Commanders he points at that player's like I command you to not score again. I don't know. I don't know. I'm trying to think outside the box when it comes to the commanders. Command their
3: fans to stand up and cheer. Hey, maybe that's what the Panthers need. We need to become the commanders, have a guy to tell our fans to stand up before third down.
2: I command you to stand under the uh, the leaking sewer line in FedEx Field. That's, That's part of the atmosphere here. That's tough, man. Dang. He's a commander. He's got to be gritty. He's got to be very mean. Yeah, tell him to be loud on defense. Dang. How about command him to come to games?
3: Yeah. There's I mean, dude, yes. it used to be like a 20-year wait to get season tickets for them, and now it's probably like they'll probably pay you to show up to games there. But, I mean, you can't blame them. I mean, the, it's terrible. It's not the uh, the fun bunch days back with, the, you know, all those receivers and John Riggins, and it's just not the same.
2: All right, so we mentioned the snack down draft. Earlier in the show, John Jansen, let's explain this snack down draft a little bit. So obviously during the playoffs, we made our our picks. Uh, I nailed I nailed I was I wouldn't say I was spotless. I had a little few hiccups, but I was clearly the best of the rest. So I earned the number one overall pick. So basically how this is going to work is we're going to go around the table. We're going to have a special guest tomorrow. More on that tomorrow. Just wait. But we're going to go around the table. We're going to pick our favorite Super Bowl foods. We can't pick the same ones. And uh, at the end of the day, at the end of the, uh, the little competition or the draft here, the P-Man is going to rank them. Who had the best draft of snacks when it comes to the Super Bowl? And the thing he's looking for is obviously the quality of the food. Obviously, Also, also there's going to be a Bev involved. you got to pick a good beverage. Which I got ben is life. already
3: handicapped for this because Ben isn't 21, so we're not letting him pick any pick alcoholic alcohol. drinks. So Ben has already been handicapped on that one. So there's he's th- really going to have to come out with some big snacks, but he does have the number one pick, so that will definitely help him out a little bit. Let's just say there's a reason why they call me B-Baby. I can't be picking
2: alcohol or anything. I'm still a young gun here.
3: What do you got? Less- you got less than a month, right? Less than a uh,
2: April. Oh, April, never mind. Got- two months. End two of months. April. We still got a while. We still got a while. Yeah, but- you are young. Yeah, he's going to grade it on consistency, so the theme's got to make sense. So, obviously, you don't want pizza with a bowl of Skittles. I mean, that, is just, that doesn't go with consistency. Consistency. That's not a good team makeup there. The chemistry's not not working there. That's that's not good for my palate. So, it's got to be something that makes sense. It's got to be somewhat consistent when you're, uh, your team is drafted here. And I like my chances. I like my chances. If you think a hoagie roll is a good pick for a number one
3: overall pick, I think I'm going to win this by a landslide. You know what? Next time John's in town, I'm going to have him just, like, egg your house or something. <laughs> man, he, he's so nice. He comes on our show. Well, I'm not saying and, he's not nice. I'm just, hey, I, I just told him to his
2: face I didn't like that pick.
3: Was it to his face? I think it was to what? his ear. Oh, I mean, he's not his, in the studio. I, I, I want you to say it to his face next time. He comes I'll say to it to his face. Hey, man, you know what? I know he was bred here, but if he's got any of that Philly in him. You know them boys can fight. I mean, heck, I there's a reason there used to be a jail in the old, uh, in the old Eagle Stadium. I
2: know he's the big boxing guy. We'll put his
3: boxing skills to the test.
2: We'll see. No, obviously, no. I like Jansen, and I told him I didn't like it. It's not like I'm being fake right now. I told him I didn't. I, I like the hoagie pick. No, I thought it was terrible.
3: I'm not trying to have you give away anything for tomorrow, but like, I mean, obviously wings and stuff. But you don't like the little sandwiches or little sliders. I mean, so the, the little sandwiches. I mean, you got to think people always do the whole like crackers.
2: That's not and, something I'm and like forward to. And, like, meat
3: and cheese on a thing. And if you just do the sandwiches and they're already made up and you don't have to make, you know, grab the cracker with the turkey and all that stuff, I mean, it just makes it easier. That's a nice compliment. It's not
2: the main course to me. Anyways, that's going to do it for today's edition of the Patrick Johnson Show. The P-Man will be back tomorrow. The Snackdown Draft, the inaugural edition on ninety-fourth through the game. More on the Super Bowl and much more tomorrow here on the Patrick Johnson Show.
6: offered more than your car is worth, would you sell it? If you answered yes, then don't miss the two-day regional car buying event at the Greenville Convention Center, February 11th and 12th. We want to buy your car, and we might just offer you more than it's worth and more than a dealer will pay you. Get an offer for your car and sell it on the spot. Friday and Saturday, February 11th and 12th at the Greenville Convention Center. No matter the year, make or model, we're ready to